Hey everyone, today on the Multiply Podcast, we've got a special guest. Scotty Gibbons is here talking about creating and sustaining a leadership pipeline. Check it out. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Multiply Podcast. This is David. We're so glad that you are listening in today, and I am really, uh, really pumped about our guest for this uh, episode and the next episode also. Uh, We have with us Scotty Gibbons, who is a good friend of mine, Uh, but Scotty has uh, given over 20 years of ministry to serving in the local church, and he and I connected while he was serving as the national youth strategist for the Assemblies of God. Um, he's come into events that I've had the privilege of running and, and as a speaker and just a tremendously gifted communicator, uh, writer, uh, has a beautiful family and just one of the sharpest, most intuitive leaders I've honestly ever been around. And so, Scotty, thank you so much for joining us today on the Multiply Podcast. Thanks, David. Really excited to be with you guys. Love talking leadership, especially with buddies. Well, let me let me ask you this. Um in your journey and your all the different contexts in which you've served and all the different ministry you've done, um, why does leadership matter so much to you personally? What have you seen, observed, experienced that's convinced you that leadership is worth investing so much of your time and energy into? Because I know you pour your life into other leaders. David, I would say probably when I think back just to maybe a growing awareness of the significance of leadership um, and seeing how I was growing as a leader and learning to be more intentional as a leader probably would hinge on 1 Corinthians 11. 1. That was a verse that really spoke to my heart. God used it to open my eyes to, to say, you know, there needs to be uh, there is a responsibility as a Christ follower to say to others who may be watching or following, follow me as I follow Christ, which is leadership. It's influence. You could also call it discipleship. Certainly we're called to go and make disciples. But I also started thinking about the fact that, you know, God calls us to pray, calls us to read his word, to study his word, to live out his word. And there are a lot of people who, uh, you know, would be in love with Jesus, but for whatever reason, they have not developed their leadership gift or they would maybe not prioritize leadership. And just through observation, looking at that, I, I thought, man, I, it, it can sound super spiritual for us to focus on prayer, but I think that there's this very, very spiritual and practical side of, you know what, I need to not only be a follower of Jesus, passionately in love with him, but I need to be thinking in terms of who am I bringing with me? How am I influencing them? And so I feel like it's, it's a real duty and responsibility for me to recognize I have influence, whether I sign up for it or not. It could be good, bad, or otherwise. But how can I use that, leverage that for kingdom's purposes, and, and for me to really be the leader that God's called me to be? So uh, when I look at great ministries that are thriving, certainly God is sovereign. He gets all of the credit. But it sure seems that the majority of the time he's working through people who are using their influence to carry out their call. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, you sound really good, especially with that southern accent, Scotty. We appreciate that. Being Thanks. I try North. and keep it under control unless I'm talking to my mom or dad. It can get really twangy. Hey, let that thing fly, man. We love that. Um, <laughs> we're, today we're talking about specifically creating a leadership pipeline, and we'd love for you. It would be helpful to start off by really defining uh, in your mind what a, what is a leadership pipeline. How would you even define that? Well, I think that it's it's become kind of popular to talk about pipelines. It seems like you, you hear a lot about it at different conferences and or podcasts or books talking about them. And guys approach it different ways. For me, it's just as, as simple as it's your process by which you're discovering and developing and deploying 
leaders. So that's phraseology or process that's been used in other contexts. But for me, that's really what a, a leadership pipeline is. It's just the ability to look out and recognize potential, to call that potential out, to help that person, that individual, not only to discover it, see it in themselves, but to develop it and and do something with it to actually carry that out, execute, implement that in ministry in some context. And so a leadership pipeline is just simply a, a leader or a church, a team's attempt to say, look, we don't want this to happen accidentally or look up one day and think, oh, it didn't happen like we wanted to. Let's intentionally um, just pay attention to how we are discovering people in our church with leadership gifts or abilities, how we're helping them to discover their own, how we're helping them to develop those gifts, and then uh, finding a, ton- a context to apply those things. So that's how I would define, at least in my approach or the way I would utilize a leadership pipeline. So discovering, developing, and deploying uh, leaders, uh, why is the why is it so important to have a pipeline? What have you noticed as far as what's at risk when they're when the work isn't done to develop a leadership pipeline? Mm. Well, I think first off, at least what really compels me, David, would just be again kind of back to that responsibility piece. Like I, I just as a spiritual leader, I'm called to according to Ephesians four, equip the saints. So that's not something that's kind of a, a luxury or an add-on, you know, some type of accessory, but it's a, it's a spiritual responsibility. It's part of my calling as a spiritual leader, equipping the saints. So how am I going to do that? What's the process that I'm going to use to make sure that I'm empowering them and helping them to be who God's created them to be and carry out his work? Another familiar story that I think, uh, you know, people resonate with and they connect the dots on the story in Exodus 18 with Moses and Jethro it's it's uh, very important to do a leadership pipeline because if I don't and I'm not raising up other leaders, if I'm not raising up the next leadership uh, generation or those who will succeed me, if I'm not thinking about that, then I'm going to wear myself out and got the Messiah complex. Only I can do it. Nobody can do it better than me. Well, that's pride. That's sinful. That's arrogance. And, and not only that, but the people are frustrated because the work's not being done the way it should be. People are also frustrated because they're not able to contribute and be a part in the way that that they're gifted and wired to. So I would look at it just from a biblical standpoint and say those two reasons really compel me to say this is not something Scotty gets to choose whether or not I'm going to uh, be committed to developing leaders. No, this is something that that I must do as a follower of Jesus. But if you think of it in just uh the the context of just ministry and you just look at church most every single student ministry every single church uh there seems to always just be this deficit of leaders and a lot of times it's because we've developed workers or we've recruited workers but we still can't figure out why we're still doing a lot of the heavy lifting as the point person or we look at it and say uh Man, we, we're trying to do this ministry, but we just don't, you know, we never have enough quote unquote volunteers. And so there's just a shift in thinking that I think that we have to have and, and say, uh, certainly they're a volunteer in the, in the sense that maybe they're not being paid for it. And, and yes, they may be a worker in terms of they are serving and working hard, but what a, a different approach to say, I want to raise up thinkers, leaders, doers, workers, problem solvers. People who are out there, not just carrying out a task, but those who are, are are really owning ministry responsibilities and taking them further than I ever could if I just personally tried to oversee 
that ministry. So I think it's just win, win, win all the way around whenever we look at uh, the implementation of a leadership pipeline. It sounds like, um, you know, in the local church, a lot of us are trying to figure out how do we measure discipleship and what are the different metrics, indicators in the life of a disciple. And one of the things I think is the most clear, easy metric is to say a disciple is someone who's making disciples. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're saying really a leader is someone who develops leaders. And so there's Mm -hmm. this connection between um, being a leader and having a leadership pipeline. So as we as we talk about discovering leaders, Scotty, um, for those of us that are uh, maybe have don't have a leadership pipeline or don't know what to do first, what's the very first step? Well, if if an individual would just look at this thought, discover, develop, and deploy, and so just beginning with discover and just ask yourself a couple of questions. And the first would be if I'm going to discover them, question one would be, well, what kind of leader am I even looking for? Like, do you have a, a certain uh, and, and we're talking right now, David, just in the context of kind of building that team like what we're talking about. So there this is so multifaceted in terms of it's not just about a job that I'm trying to get done. I need to equip the saints. that They have dreams that may be unrelated to serving the church. But I'm, I'm talking right now just through this lens of uh, building a ministry growing a leadership team for maybe a youth ministry, a kid's ministry, something like that. And so I think that you would just start off with what kind of leader am I looking for? And when you're answering that question, certainly there's going to be a category of non-negotiables, right? And this is really important. This is uh, maybe speaking out of my pain right here. But when when you're talking about listing out things that are non-negotiable, you've got to remember you call them non-negotiables because they're non-negotiable. So you don't look at it and start lowering standards or changing midstream to try and just fill a void because of the sense of panic or urgency. Uh, It's really important that when you're saying, okay, this is the kind of team that I feel like God's calling me to build, that there are going to be some non-negotiables for those roles. And there could be you know, a variety of ways that you would list that out based on the, the job or the spiritual maturity required. Uh, but that's just a good, safe starting point. How Scotty, important? Yes. Real quick, did you have a couple of non-negotiables for you that were maybe general enough that could apply to any situation? Like you mentioned, yeah. character. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, spiritual character, you know, would, would be one right out of the gate. And and I know that some would say, well, hey, there are people on the journey and they're involved in our church and they're not yet a follower of Christ. Can't we do something for them? And I think absolutely, right? You meet everybody where they are. But there still are going to be some non-negotiables. So if I'm looking for a worship leader, one of the non-negotiables, we, they, they can actually sing, right? So nobody wants to raise up Scotty to be the worship leader because that just wouldn't be good. Uh, so background checks would be a non-negotiable for somebody working in kids or youth ministry. You know, you just got to say, look, if they don't pass the background check, they can't be involved. That's a non-negotiable. Or maybe you have uh, reference checks. And so if you get someone that... Uh, man, just one, two, three poor references like that. And now all of a sudden you're going against, you're disregarding a, a clear red flag. Well, y- you've really done yourself a disservice to the whole process of discovering, developing, deploying leaders right out of the gate when you begin to compromise on some things that you should have established as non-negotiable. And, and you just remember, I can always grow a skill, but I can't grow a spirit. You know, I can't, I can't uh, expect them to grow. Uh, on the job training, all of a sudden they're going to become more like Jesus. If I just get them in here, let's just start getting to work. Man, if that's non-negotiable for me, I've just got to stand my ground and say, listen, I'm still going to love them. I can still even disciple them, 
But as it relates to this specific area of ministry, I'm not going to have them to be the junior high boys, small group, Bible study leader, if any of these non-negotiables, you know, aren't, aren't satisfied. So that would just be an example of what I'd say on the non-negotiable side. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, are there any others that kind of boxes that you would check besides character? Um, I know Dave and I have talked in the past about like finding people that are, are fat people, faithful, available, teachable, Mm -hmm. Um, any of those three resonate with you or are there any others that you think of? Yeah. Well, love all of those. Again, I would just say it really applies to the specific role of what it would be because, uh, everybody says that they're teachable, right? But most of the time, uh, you know, there seems to be a breakdown between what they think or what they believe about themselves and they're actually carrying out. But I would also just concede that there are so many different places in the journey of that. So if a person's growing in their teachability, I, I may not disqualify them for this certain role, but it would just be specific to the opportunity or the responsibility. So are they gifted musically? No, they're not. Then don't put them on the drums. You don't put them, put them on the guitar or whatever. It would just be attached to that. But I would probably shift just to the next piece saying that even beyond negotiables, there are still some preferences. So I don't think that it, you just have to leave it in the, in the black and white boxes or category of you're in or you're out. I think that you also have a list. What is it that I'm looking for? What are some preferences? So a preference may be if I'm trying to build a youth ministry team and I, I have a real need for someone who could be upfront and, and on the uh, platform and helping with announcements. Uh, well, I'm that and go, man, I really prefer that they have some experience there. I really prefer that they're just, they're, they're comfortable getting up in front of students where I wouldn't totally make it a non-negotiable. Oh no, they can't even be a part of the team or they can't grow into this role. But I would say, you know what, preferably if this person is going to run sound, they've had some experience, but if not, and they're willing to, and their non-negotiables are all met and they're teachable, I can teach that skill. So I'm not going to disqualify them for that just because, you know, they don't come in ready to rock and roll on it. So just kind of keep in mind that um, you never want to turn away a leader if they possess the non-negotiables. There's a place for everyone. But just keep in mind, it's easier to hire than to fire. Right. It's easier to go forwards than backwards. So just be slow and, and intentional and pay attention to is this a good fit? Am I setting them up to win? And you'll learn through that process how to discern by watching and listening, by looking at their gift set, and by asking the right questions to learn a little bit more about what their comfort level would be or what their experience would be. But I would just uh, wrap up this piece just by saying you got to know what you're looking for. If you want to develop a leadership pipeline, you're just saying, I just want to cram everybody in it. Or are you saying, hey, there are different entry points. And depending on the role, some can jump in sooner than later. But as it relates to this specific ministry or this specific role, I have my list of non-negotiables and then some preferences on what it is that I'm looking for. Man, that's so good, Scotty. I love that. Those two separate filters, the initial one of here's the non-negotiables. Nobody gets past this. Mm -hmm. And then here's the preferences, which help provide clarity as to how do we mobilize those people and in what context yes. do we mobilize them to serve based on, mm -hmm. you know, the whole language of uh, getting people in the right seat on the bus uh, yes. so that they can serve best. You know, working in a local church and working with other local church pastors and ministry leaders, they're always struggling with uh, where do I find these people? Um, mm -hmm. How do I approach them? What does good recruitment look like? And I don't know if recruitment is the right language for what you're talking mm -hmm. about with leadership pipeline, mm -hmm. but could you speak to that a little bit? 
Yeah, I think the the thought of where can you find them, they're everywhere, right? And so it's up to me as a leader just to learn uh, what it is that that we're needing to to build as a team. What what kind of tr- character traits, or I should even say, just leadership traits, or gift sets, or passions, or talents that we're looking for. But you know, you're probably noticing a lot of churches that are really thriving right now and that are growing. If you look closely. Uh, many of them are going more and more and more to trying to hire totally within the organization as opposed to outside of. And I'm not saying that that's the right way and that outside would be the wrong way. I'm just saying that they're finding a real um, just uh, I would say there's this almost a jump start because culture is already understood. Uh, chemistry is already there. Uh, you're able to at least evaluate off of real-time, hands-on experience, the vetting process of what their competency would be. So there are just so many advantages. But in the past, we always thought we just have to hire the, you know, the hired hand outside gun, the professional, you know, the guy whose resume looks really, really great. And that's not bad to hire from without, from outside. But I guess the point that I would make is that in most churches, we have plenty of people around us who needs somebody to see something in them, to call it out of them, to challenge them, to to give them a place for the dream God's placed in their heart to carry out for those, the, the dream of the individual and the dream of the church to come together and, and be realized and not be so isolated or think that we just preach on Sundays and then they're done. So I would say in terms of where to look, man, they're all around us. Um, but I, I do think that it's important to be intentional about providing some certain maybe just atmospheres of discovery or knowing that there are some certain places or time on the, the calendar where it's more natural uh, to have those conversations and interactions. Uh, I know Highlands Church, Church of the Highlands down in Alabama has become a model to a lot of different churches. So growth track is really, really popular right now. And so people are trying to move um uh, churches are trying to move people from just being in a seat to getting involved in a team. And so growth track be a place where they can discover some of those things. So obviously if your church can implement something like that, just a, a place where people can come in here about the heart of the church, the vision of the church and ways to even get involved and to serve also as a part of some meeting like that or a next steps class or something like that. They're also even discovering through personality tests or gifts assessment what I'm even passionate about and good at doing. So growth track would be an example, just Sundays and Wednesdays in the lobby. Like what, what's your lobby plan? You know, you've, you've got to be interacting with people and just learning to ask questions to get to know their heart, get to know what they're passionate about. Special events is a, is a natural onboard for that, getting somebody um, discovered and you're, you're helping them to discover just when they're serving at Easter, when they're serving at Christmas or when they're serving at, at some big outreach, that's a real uh, just easy on ramp for just a one time opportunity, but then it opens the conversation for an ongoing uh, relationship with serving. So those would be a few things I would just say to challenge people to think about. There are all kinds of places that you can find them. Just be intentional, be specific in your list on here's where I'm looking, here's where I'm watching, here's when an event is coming up. So I'm, I'm not looking just to staff that event, but to really retain and net some leaders after it's over. That's great. Um, Scotty, I know we've been talking a little bit in general of discovering leaders for our pipeline. Uh, I'm wondering about um, transition or high-level leaders 
I know as a youth pastor, one of the things I always look for is who who could be my number two? Who's that person yeah. that I'm gonna I'm gonna look to? And even when I started a position, I remember always thinking, when I leave, who am I gonna hand this to? Because I want to start good. now. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about discovering a leader like that, what are some things that you uh, think about? What are some things that you look to? What are the what is the type of person that you uh, you look for with that type of a leadership. Maybe it's a senior pastor who's going to be transitioning out of a church or a youth pastor or whatever. But for you, what what are uh, what are some things you look for when that type of leader comes along? Well, just a, a lot of the maybe standard qualities or characteristics just of leadership. So we kind of touched on, but just the, the spiritual maturity, spiritual character component would be a, a big one. But certainly, if we're talking about a senior pastor role or even a youth pastor or a kid's pastor, you need somebody who's going to be able to be a builder. So they're a team builder. They're able to attract a team, to grow a team, to develop a team. Uh, You'd want someone who's not just great at at finding problems. Uh, You know, sometimes you got problem causers, right? You got problem finders. uh, You got problem dodgers, but then you got problem solvers. And so I would want somebody at that level of leadership just to possess that kind of a mind, that kind of an understanding is they're able to see a complex situation and, and process through uh, best steps of getting out of that and bringing solutions. So those would be some things I'd be looking for for the high level leader, just some some things that would really be able to uh, be a leader of leaders, you know, tens and even hundreds. I've, I was, um, I flew in to speak at an event in San Antonio one time and the host of the event picked me up and was taking me out to lunch because um, I like to eat. And uh, <laughs> we went to taste a little Mexican spot. And um, mm-hmm. But as he was taking me, his team members kept calling him and asking him questions related to the event. Mm-hmm. And the question that he asked every single one of them was so formative for me in thinking about how mm-hmm. to develop leaders. Because after hearing the situation, he almost always would finish, he would, almost always would ask the question, can you figure this out? Mm-hmm. And it was never like um, a sort of critical, cynical, sarcastic, right. can you figure this out? It was like a sincere, like, you think you got this and sort of mm-hmm. communicating to them through a question like i trust you to run with this and so good. give you not just the task but the responsibility to accomplish the task um and so uh, when i think of a leader at uh, the sort of level of leadership that i think jared's asking about and that you're talking about i think of leaders who like you said can not just identify problems but diagnose them and then have some solutions. Um, We're going to wrap up this first part about discovering, and then the next uh, episode we're going to get into the other two about um, developing and deploying. Any final thoughts you want to share with our listeners about this first idea of discovering leaders in this pipeline conversation? Yeah, I I guess just to wrap up, David, I would just say that when you're building that pipeline, you're the chief recruiter. You you know, you're you're the one who's who's going to own the responsibility of building a ministry, building a team. But to recognize, too, that some of your your greatest gains will be when you're raising up recruiters. So if you're the only one doing the recruiting or trying to discover, then you're really going to be limited. So everybody that you're bringing them on, kind of even what you're alluding to with, with the kind of leaders that we'd raise up around us, we want them to be leaders of leaders. And so we want them to be thinking in terms of not only like as the senior pastor, uh, who's maybe my number two or who's next in line. We want every single leader in our organization thinking that way right out of the gate. No success without a successor. Who are the two or three names that, you know, if I got promoted or transitioned out for whatever reason, I have two or three strong potential opportunity 
uh, potential names here of people who could jump in and do this role. And that just keeps our entire team eyes open, ears open, paying attention. We're always looking to discover the next great leaders. And that is fan. That's I love that line. No success without a successor. I think that's obviously it's very memorable, but there's so much truth there, and it's so important mm-hmm. to keep in front of mm-hmm. us, especially when we do feel like we're successful. It's easy to just forget the idea of uh, having a successor or planning for some sort of a transition. Uh, we like to close each of our um, episodes with a little uh, little portion called David's Eats, and when it's just me and Jared, I I talk about something that I. I've eaten recently that I love. It's sort of a almost more yeah. It's it's more of like a conf- confessional booth environment where I'm conf- <laughs> confessing of gluttony every episode. But uh, when we have a guest, we we love to hear from you. I know you're at a youth camp right now, which is the opposite end of the spectrum. Um, but if you can uh, block the last thing you ate out of your mind at the youth camp and just share with us something <laughs> something uh, great you ate recently and what it was and what you loved about it. Man, I would have to say it was when I was in Oklahoma City recently, and one of my friends took me to uh, Mediterranean cuisine. We ate some some chicken and some beef. Shwarma, shawarma, shawarma, shawarma. Yeah, chicken and beef shawarma. Yeah, because when I told him, I said, "Hey, just keep it simple. I'm not too adventurous. What should we get?" <laughs> he goes, "Oh man, I'm gonna keep it plain. We're going with shawarma." And I was like, "Dude, I can't even spell that. Why are we gonna go and eat it?" But it was delicious, so I've had to go back and get some more. Did they shave it right off like a big spit? Is that what the deal was? What's that? Was it like a big chunk of meat that they were sort of shaving off of a rotating spit? Oh, yes, it was. Yes, and my mouth was watering just looking at it there. And I was like, oh, man, I got to have a little bit of all of that. Oh, baby. David David just ran out of the office immediately. I think he went down to the local gyro (laughs) spot to pick something up. Well, hey, thanks so much. This is the Multiply Podcast. This has been part one with Scotty Gibbons talking about creating a leadership pipeline. We'd love for you to stick around and listen to the next podcast. We'll be talking about the second two parts, uh, develop and deploy. So be sure and stick around. We'll see you next time.